This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. to the GPL podcast. Had a positive weekend this past weekend after all the controversy last week. The boys kind of stepped it up and swept Michigan State, which is a good thing. Don't you think, Hammy? Yeah, well, they definitely needed it. I mean, we've been talking, you know, that they've been kind of inconsistent. So it's kind of nice that they pulled two off this last weekend, and it, you know, and we needed a sweep, and hopefully they can keep the momentum going. Good game Friday night went up, and then they, you know, it must have been four one five zero something like that. Let in a couple of goals. I went in rube mode that night, Viggs. But then uh, Saturday, a little different story. Quite a bit uh, less uh, offense, and they needed a third period rally to uh, finish off the Spartans. Yeah, I thought they came out and played a pretty decent first period. But the one thing was they were just on the perimeter way too much. Yep. And they were content with you know taking their opportunities from out wide. And Hildebrandt looked sharp on Saturday. He, he wasn't giving up any rebounds. They weren't getting any second chances. And when a goalie is playing that sharp, you have to take it to the net a little bit more. And uh, the second period, they were completely flat. And uh, they came out in the third, and, and Kloos got that goal in the first shift. And they, they rallied from there and finally held on at the end, even though the other team <laughs> pulled their goalie. So well, that was good to see. Oh, yeah, it is. You know, Viggs, um, Hildebrandt is an excellent goalie. It's too bad, you know, he's got so much, so much crap in front of him because uh, it doesn't seem like he really deserves the fate. No, especially that game on Friday. I mean, he just <laughs> didn't have a chance in that no, one. There were so many goals where you know, he didn't have an opportunity to even make the save. So... Uh, Saturday was a different story. I think he was trying to will them to, to a point or something, but uh, I was impressed the way Minnesota stuck with their game. That they, they didn't press and give away the game. You see that sometimes with a team when they're struggling to score. Guys start taking bad chances and uh, you know cost their team even a chance at winning the game. So it was nice to see them pull that out even though they weren't playing their best. Uh, you probably spoke with Connor Riley after the game. Uh, he probably felt pretty good, didn't he? I think the word would be relieved. <laughs> if there's anyone who should be breaking sticks, it, it should be him and not Vinny Letary. Because, <laughs> I mean, Connor Riley has just had the hardest time, you know, getting good quality scoring chances. Um, he's just kind of been putting the puck towards the net on the power plays. He's just struggled getting the one-timers off. Um, so you just see the pressure build and build and build. And, and he looked relieved after the game, and he, he was happy to be talking to the media for once. And he uh, said afterwards, uh, hope to see you again in the upcoming weekends. So hopefully he's got this weight off his back, and, and now he can start putting pucks on that, and they'll go in for him. Well, you know, Hammy, we've talked about Connor, about him stepping up. You know, he was, he was kind of the star of the team early in the season last year before he got injured. And now he's just trying to look to get back. And uh, Lucia has said that they need his upperclassmen to score. And it, hopefully he's kind of gotten off the schneid here. Well, yeah, you got to hope that. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, I've, and I said this in prior podcasts, that I don't know if just the knee injuries, you know, have finally taken their toll there. or You know, or if, I don't know what the, the has been for him. But it's like he obviously – just hasn't clicked like he did kind of for a decent chunk of last year where he was scoring a lot of goals, especially on the power play. And um, he just, you know, hope you, you kind of hope that something like this can ignite him, but uh, you really kind of like the team itself. You're kind of waiting to see um, guys like that show some consistency before you kind of jump on the bandwagon. Well, he was definitely talking about how the season he's been pressing to score goals and that's cost him a couple times during the season where he's, you know, not, won the one-on-one battles he's missed some d-zone coverage you know i think it has affected his overall game and when you start just looking to score goals and forget about the rest of the game you know it's tough for you to even get enough opportunities to score goals 
so hopefully you know this will get them to to stay engaged you know all over the rink and and they'll go in for them now Viggs is the the Vinny Terry broken stick count now up to six I swear he broke oh. another one this weekend I thought we were at 11. Is it really that high? Yeah, he's almost gone through a gross of sticks. Oh, I thought he was only season. five or six. Jeez. No. <laughs> well, you know, I, what is the deal with that? I know I know, he's using a different brand than the rest of the team, and we, we were, that was kind of pointed out to us on purpose, I think, by uh, the SID. But uh, what is the deal? Yeah, I I don't know. He doesn't seem like a guy who would you know put so much flex into his stick that he'd, he'd break them. I do know that sometimes centers, uh, if they're in a lot of draws where there's a lot of stick battles, you know the the area around the hosel at the bottom gets a little worn down sometimes from all those draws. So maybe you know his sticks just get dinged up there, and then he just flexes them just right because man, he goes through more sticks than anybody. Time for a Christian Brothers or old Shearwood wood. I think he needs like one of those old Easton aluminums, you know, like the silver ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so on yeah. Every draw, you'll just hear the ping as they as they whack at it. <laughs> no way, man! Those... You, you got to go with the white Canadian sticks, like Cicerelli used in the eighties. You know, just a big piece of steel out there. That's what he needs. I Lumber think. guys got to go wood. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I I I know wood sticks break just as easily, but boy. They, in, in at least in my use, and I don't know about your use, Viggs, it seems like wood sticks kind of give you a little more warning of when they're going to break. You can kind of well, sense think, it. You're like, you feel a little weakness in it. You're like, yeah, I could keep using this. Yeah, I think the thing is with the graphites, if you get like a little nick in them in the wrong spot, mm-hmm. that makes them break. You know, And you're just not going to know it. You just don't get that kind of warning like you would with a wood stick. Yeah, well, you know, he's got to pay more attention and take a look at the mm-hmm. the stick maybe and, you know, see if there's any nicks and scratches down there that are causing it. But, man, he just goes through a ton. So hopefully uh, Bauer starts trying to get him on board here this season. <laughs> what kind of stick is he using? CCM or something like that? CCM, Canadian Cycle Motorsport. So there you go. Even Lucia joked last week <laughs> that he was going to have to give a call to the manufacturer to get some, you know, more durable <laughs> sticks in his hands. So. So we'll see. It's something to watch. Well, all in all, it was a good weekend, though. It's you know, I, we probably wanted more goals scored and whatnot. But you know, as Lucia always says, you know, if you sweep at home, it's good no matter what. So that's how I feel, and I'm guessing Lucia probably felt the same. I mean, huh, he kind of had a rough week last week, guys. <laughs> well, I don't think eight goals, you know, is literally that bad. I mean, it's a pretty no. good weekend. You know no. what I mean? I mean, but you know, uh, but. The, Michigan State's not a good team either. Right, but I, think, I mean they do I think that you know Hildebrand's certainly a better goalie than I mean he than what his stats show certainly and Yes. Um you Definitely. know what I mean and like I just think that uh you can't complain too much about putting that many goals on the board even if they're not necessarily a great team it's like you still got to feel considering what we've been doing for a lot of the season it's uh it's still a pretty nice sign. Were you going to say something there Viggs? I think the one concerning thing coming out of this is that the power play has struggled. Um, the last three weekends, though, I think they've got 16 in a row where they haven't scored. Um, so that's definitely a concern, and, and Lucia knows that. He's been you know, looking for guys on the flanks you know, where Connor Riley has been this season and wondering, is that the right fit for this year's team? Because usually you look at a Lucia power play and those one-timers from the circles, you know, your Ryan Patolny, your uh, – uh, Bukestad, you know, those are the kind of guys you want there who can one-time the puck and create second opportunities or score right off the shot. Um, so when that's not clicking for this team, you know, they've had to do other things. And, you know, they've been going down to, to fashing down on the goal line. Um, they've been just trying to get shots from the middle of the ice from Bischoff and Brodzinski. So for this team to, you know, to win these close games, they need power play goals. Well, not only that, but you know, it's, maybe it's not always that pretty goal from the from the circle there, that one timer. You know, sometimes you got to get some greasy goals on the power play. Just well, get they it. just, I mean, just, get, just it get, get, the, yep. get it on net, get it on and get the rebound. You were saying, go ahead. Well, I was just saying exactly. They need to okay. get those pucks on net. It, it feels like you know you got guys like 
uh, Connor Riley are trying to just hammer it in the upper corner. And then you've got guys like Camerata and Bristet who, who aren't looking to one-time the puck as much. You know, they're trying to, to catch it and make a play. So they've got to kind of figure out what's, what's their special sauce this year because it's evident they don't have a guy on those off wings who can hammer the puck. Yeah, over 16 is not good. I mean, it was a good thing that their five-on-five scoring has been good. Um, you know, in the past we've seen, you know, Lucia says, oh, we got a good power play, but we need more five-on-five scoring. I mean, it seems like the five-on-five is doing pretty good. Now the power play needs to kick it up just a little. I mean, a, a goal a game would be nice at least, but this over stuff is just not really good. Yeah, it seemed after the St. Cloud series they picked it up and they were moving the puck a little bit mm-hmm. quicker and getting those chances around the net. But the last couple of weekends it's just been a little more methodical. The puck's been slower to move around and they just haven't been able to get the one-timers. Well, we mentioned, uh, Hammy, that this past week was a rough re- week for Lucia. You know, he, he, he talked a little bit at Media Day last week that he hadn't read the, the, the City Pages article, and uh, he did go on Beyond the Pond on KFAN Saturday morning, said he still hadn't read the article, but uh, I don't know if you heard it, Hammy, but uh, I thought uh, Lucia had a lot of good things to say about the whole situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I did listen to that interview. I, I heard it live, and I also listened to it again after you posted that link on Twitter. And, and uh, you know, I thought that he really came across real well in that um, in that particular interview. I think that he made a lot of sense and certainly cleared up some of the things, for instance, about the, the whole fundraising thing for Notre Dame. And, and I think that, you know, made a lot of sense for him to see how another school is doing things so he can – on his in his own right because i don't know that you know in the past he was real heavily involved in fundraising um at least in that sense and so you know educating yourself on how other places are doing it and here's a prime opportunity for him since he's an alum of that school i I, you know that made a lot of sense to me and um the way that you know to me really at the end of the day that the thing that as this last week has gone by the thing that i have taken away from it is that some of those alums that have been you know, it's not that Lucia is, I mean, he can be criticized and, and there's certainly things that he needs to do better in my mind even. Um, but the alums that were specifically mentioned or even the ones that were, you know, anonymous, they came across to me as very poorly. And especially with regard to, you know, whether you're going to support a coach just because he's, you know, he played at your institution or went to school there as opposed to somewhere else. To me, that's ridiculous. I mentioned last week about Badger Bob or, Dean Blaze and you know their impact at other institutions despite the fact that they played at the U of M in college it's like their fans don't give a damn about that crap and and to me from an alum standpoint I just care about the program I don't give a shit about who is the head coach as long as he's putting a good team on the ice and winning and and you know the guys are graduating and you know we're putting players in the NHL all that kind of stuff it's like that's to me what matters I don't give a damn about you know who the you know where that coach comes from and and nanny was on Barrero yesterday and he even said if we, we happen to you know replace lucia a lot of the candidates that are going to be looked at are going to be non-alum so it's kind of like get the hell over it for some of these people and and move on and just support the program that's what's important is the program itself not the hell who you know who the hell's behind the bench the program is what matters so support that well like you said i was impressed with how lucia came off in that interview on KFAN um, for one thing, uh, you know, that City Pages article was very one-sided, obviously. But in that specific instance, when they were talking about, you know, they had a recruiting party for Notre Dame, we heard nothing about the other side of the story. I mean, when you just hear one side like that, it's like, well, that God, but that kind of sounds crappy. Why would he do that? Well, when you hear Lucia's side, says, you know, I'm trying to educate myself. And then the following year, we had a Minnesota one and invited those same you know, alumni, and they didn't want anything to do with it. So, uh, like you said, there are, there are some alumni out there that are just way too bitter, and they need to get over it. Well, and the other thing for me is that, I mean, that to me, it comes down to the writer doing a poor job mm-hmm. of trying to paint, you know, a, a well-rounded perspective in that article. To me, when you when a coach, I mean, he did apparently talk to Lucia, but he didn't ask him anything, apparently, about, the fundraiser and give Lucia a chance to, you know, clarify all of that, like he did on KFAN. And it's like, you know, if, if he had the opportunity to respond to some of those things and and clarify them, 
that article would have been a hell of a lot different, but it just comes across as a hatchet job with an agenda. And to me, that's where this writer really failed miserably in, you know, trying to paint the situation in, in a well-rounded light. To me, that's where journalism really fails is when you got guys that aren't really doing a good job about researching and being fair on a well-rounded basis. Viggs, you got any thoughts on this? You know, no, after, I just did, think the did, city... you, did you get a chance to hear Lucci on those uh, on KFN? Well, I thought he was great on KFN. I think mm-hmm. Lucia should be on that show every other week if that's the way he's going to present himself. Because I think he did more, you know, goodwill generation with that appearance than he probably has in the last couple of years. Um, and so that, I think that's Lucia, a fair criticism too, because he is not out there putting himself out there very much. No, but I think kind of the role of a head coach at a program like Minnesota is being an ambassador. Yeah. And I think so many times you get these people in these these high profile coaching positions and they can't handle it. You know, they may know a lot about the game, they may have a good idea about developing a program, but once you get into this situation where there's so much money and so many people who want to have an influence or think they should have an influence, you know, that's part of your job. You're you're almost a CEO slash head coach. And I think, you know, ten years ago, Lucia would not have been able to handle this kind of week. But I think this year he's handled himself very well. Well, you know, to me, the thing that I liked as much as anything is he came across as more of a, a person, a more human, you know, more human in a sense. Yes. That's that obvious, you know what I'm saying? It's not yes. like he's – I mean we all know he's human and everything and has feelings. and But, you know, he, he's always been the kind of guy that kind of came across as like – I don't want to say cold, but it was just more like I don't give a crap. Very standoffish. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's like when he got attacked, you know, it he showed to me some like passion and some humanity and wanting to like, you know, talk about the players being, you know, graduating and being good kids and all that, and also himself saying, "Hey, you know, I'm trying to do things. I'm trying to work with people, and some of these guys, they just don't want to accept me, no matter what the hell I do." You know, and I can't, you know, I mean, he just, to me, he came across as more likable than a lot of times he does. And so that's, that's the one thing that I really liked about that. You know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the future. And we saw with the Star Tribune article today and, you know, we know his contract situation. We don't know who the AD is going to be. So there's things that are up in the air. But the thing that I really liked about what I saw, especially in that K-Fan interview is, he just came across as more of a regular person and and with a you know kind of a normal perspective. So I, I really liked that. Well, I can't agree with you more. But he actually showed some personality, seemed very likable, and and that's some of the things that you know we've talked about over the last ever since we started the podcast. He, he's always seemed kind of very cold and not very personable, and but but what he did on KFAN kind of showed some of that, and, and I'm kind of glad we're starting to see some of that because. You know, that helps. That helps with the alumni. It helps with, you know, us fans, people following the team. When you start to see this guy as more of a person instead of a position, um, you want to support him more. Well, I agree. I mean, the more likable. I mean, yeah. I know it's not his job to, like, be liked by everybody or whatever. And, you, and frankly, yeah. I don't I don't care, you know, who's in that job at the U of M. You're always going to have a, a segment of fans that are going to be whining about something. So I get why a guy in that role, especially as long as he's been there, might kind of build up a little bit of that wall and and not wanting to really listen to some of the, the stuff from the outside. But I, I do like the fact that he kind of came across as a little bit more of a regular guy. And, uh, you know, we don't I don't think as fans, when you're not dealing with somebody on a personal level all the time, you don't really get that mm-hmm. enough from him at times. I think it was it was really nice to see. I definitely like that. And uh if he could project that a little bit more often, I think that he would probably get a lot more support from, you know, the average Joe fan out there as opposed to, you know, a guy that, you know, maybe seems a little bit off at an ivory tower and, and kind of untouchable in a sense. All right. We've got a few questions talking about several different things. Uh, Tim Hapke, he loves to uh, ask those questions. He's wondering, is Norman projected to be a top six forward or will he be more of a role player? I know he is young. Will he develop like Boyd? Any thoughts on that, Viggs? 
Well, I think the one thing with Norman coming into the program this year mm-hmm. is the coaches thought he was a little overweight. And so okay. I think I think they are looking for him to make big gains and that, that strength and you know, kind of that weight to speed ratio. And once he gets that, I think he's gonna be a little bit better. Uh you'll notice the last two weekends that fourth line all freshmen has been playing a lot more. Uh and I think that's because you know, they're being able to handle that role and handle the puck and make good decisions. So I think this is a great experience for him to kind of learn on the job, and hopefully he develops because he was definitely brought in as an offensive talent. I think he was one of the big scorers at Shattuck. Hammy, any thoughts on Norman? Well, I mean, I don't know that I see him as a top six type of a guy. I mean, I, I think that, you know, he'll play a valuable role. And, you know, he might sneak in that second to third line kind of a role. I, I don't really see him as a guy moving forward, especially with what they have for players coming in in the next few recruiting classes. I don't know that I would project him quite that high, but um, I do think that he's going to be a value. It, you know, I think it's kind of a shame. I think a lot of people, and, and I'm amongst them, we would have liked to have seen him in the USHL this year just to give him a little additional time to work on some things. Um, but, you know, it's kind of water under the bridge. So you just kind of hope that um, this next off season he works real hard, gets in the right shape, you know, improves his game. And, you know, maybe he'll surprise. But as of right now, I think I'd be a little surprised if he was, uh, you know, kind of a top six type of a scoring guy. Matt Roberts wants to know, I think Ryan Collins has been the most obvious inconsistent D-man all year. He's wondering about your guys' thoughts on that. Obviously, you know, Collins has been in and out of the lineup and uh, wasn't in Friday, probably due to illness. We're not quite sure, but he was back in on uh, Saturday, Viggs. Uh, What did you think about his performance Saturday? Well, I thought he was better on Saturday. I think he played one of his better games. I think what got him out of the lineup um, the previous weekend is just making too many turnovers. You know, he's a guy that's good in his defensive zone and needs to focus on separating guys from the puck and making a first simple pass. You know, when he starts trying to skate the puck or do something a little bit, you know, more fancy, he's going to get himself into trouble. And I think he was doing that after uh, after getting cut from the World Juniors. I think he was trying to yep. make a point. So I think you know. Moving forward, if he can do that, he'll be okay. Any thoughts on him, Hammy? He's kind uh, of the whipping for, boy this year. <laughs> yeah, he's for me kind of been a disappointment this year. I really, I mean, you know, he played. I thought, you know, rather solid last year. I thought he made some good strides, and so I really kind of thought he'd be coming into this season and be more of a reliable, steady guy that would, you know, you could really count on, especially from a defensive standpoint, because he's never going to be a guy that's going to be running a power play or anything along those lines. And and to me, you know, a guy in that kind of a role where you kind of know what your limitations are, it, I think it makes it easier on you because you're not, you usually don't try to do too much because you're like, okay, I know I'm not the, you know, the um, Mike Riley type that's going to be rushing to puck up ice and trying to create scoring opportunities that my job is to basically play the defensive side of the rink and be solid and make that good outlet pass and, maybe contribute a little bit here or there on the offensive end, but for the most part, that's my role. And usually those are the guys that you feel like, hey, you know, you can count on them because they know what they have to do. But he just hasn't been consistent enough this year, and that's been kind of a disappointment. Well, we'll see if he – you know, if he – I'm guessing Lucia will pull him pretty quick again if he has another, you know, minus night. I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, he's got that – He's got that young whippersnapper right right below him, ready to take his spot, and he's looked pretty good, Biggs. Yeah, Sadik's doing okay. I think the one thing that he can get into trouble with is if he gets engaged physically with guys. Yeah. He's he's another guy who would have benefited from another year of development in the USHL. Um, So he's also got to, you know, watch where he puts himself on the ice. And one thing I've noticed with Sadik, though, is that he's a little bit better decision maker on that first pass. At least well, better than Collins. A, I mean, it just it just appears that way. Maybe he hasn't been you know pressured enough yet. But I mean, that's kind of my observation. Well, he's got a little bit more skill, I think, than Collins. But I think he's he's still learning the speed of the game. I think earlier in the season he played a game where he struggled with that, making yep. a good smart pass. And it takes a while to get kind of that timing of of the D one hockey. All right, boys, it's Badger Week. Heading to the Cole Center. The Badgers have been uh, fairly eh, – they're still bad. Sorry. That's just the way it is. 
But before we talk about the Badgers this week, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Vintage Minnesota Hockey. Vintage Minnesota Hockey wants you to take a step back in time and keep the memories of Minnesota hockey heritage alive forever. VintageMNHockey.com features history from around the entire state of Minnesota. One feature that I enjoy on a daily basis is the This Day in Minnesota Hockey History that is on their website. They have tons of info on what's happening on any particular day in Minnesota hockey history. One thing as a listener that you may be interested in is the store at Vintage Minnesota Hockey. They offer all kinds of custom throwbacks from Minnesota hockey and local college teams. And as a GPL podcast listener, you just need to enter the promo code GPL podcast, one word, all lowercase, to get a 10% discount on any order. So visit Vintage Minnesota Hockey at VintageMNHockey.com. Following the Twitter of Vintage this week, uh, it looks like they're getting close to uh, having those new gold jerseys ready for you to order. So uh, with the nice little Minnesota logo on the on the collar, uh, uh, it's kind of a wait-and-see thing, but uh, it, it's looking like it might become a reality in the next, next couple weeks there. So keep your fingers crossed because that's a fine-looking jersey. Um, here we go, guys. Badgers. Take that, you stinking Badgers. R.I.P. Glenn. We still love you. Uh, obviously playing better than they did last year, Hammy, but uh, the Badgers are still fairly bad. Yeah, I mean, I was just noticing that they almost have already scored as many goals as they did all last season, 35 <laughs> games, which goes to show you how bad they were last year. Yes, um, but they're not that bad. Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely, you know, I mean, I guess, I mean, if we're going to be honest, there wasn't a hell of a lot anywhere they could go but up after last year. So, but I mean, yeah, they're, they are playing better. I mean, they really, they really haven't had any impressive, I mean, they had the one victory against North Dakota. That's probably their one impressive, you know, win of the year. And, you know, they won two games over Arizona State and one against Michigan State. So not exactly a murderer's row there of, great wins i mean so other than that one north dakota win they really haven't done a hell of a lot and so uh you know it is a road series so you kind of you kind of say to yourself you know at a, especially in a rivalry series like this you you want to at least get one win out of it on the road so hopefully that we can accomplish at least that much thoughts Viggs? heading to the coal center well i think one thing about this wisconsin team is is bessie has had a lot of good luck against Minnesota. I think he's mm-hmm. he's been pretty dangerous against the Gophers. So that's always going to be a concern for me because this year's Gopher team hasn't, over the entire season, been a high-scoring team. So I expect both these games to be low-scoring, especially the way Wisconsin plays. Um, so the Gophers are going to need to get their power play going, and I think they're going to need to focus on Bessie. Uh, I, I would expect to see uh, the um, Novak fashing Brissett line out against Bessie as much as possible because uh, that line does a really good job of controlling the play in the offensive zone and keeping whoever they're playing against uh, out of the gopher end. You See, know, I'm not convinced it's going to be low scoring. Cause, I mean, you know, you look at Wisconsin, they don't have great goaltending this year. Defensively, they're not great. They're almost giving up three and a half goals a game. Um, I mean, they might be a little bit more improved offensively, but defensively, I wouldn't say that they're particularly strong. So um, if the Gophers, you know, can do a good job on their own end of the rink, I really like their chances to come out with some, uh, you know, real some good points this weekend. So but we'll see. I mean, like I said, it's a rivalry series and you never know what's going to happen on those kinds of series. Well, the Badgers, obviously, they're not as good or not as bad as they were last year. Um Bessie is kind of their shining star right now. Um, obviously, if they could have uh, kept uh, uh, Mr. Uh, was it Brock Besser, uh, might have been a little different there in Wisconsin this season. I mean, obviously, he's been a pretty big impact in North Dakota. He probably could have helped out uh, Wisconsin quite a bit this year, you know, to kind of turn it around because, you know, we may not like it, but we need Wisconsin to turn it around, guys. Well, we need all these Big Ten teams, you know, in general to kind of start kicking it in. I mean, Michigan's been pretty solid since the start of the Big Ten. And yep. the Go- the Gophers have, I mean, this year they're not great, you know, and ho- but hopefully the second half they'll make some strides. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of the other like, – and Penn State has, you know, been solid. But, you know, they, they're still sometimes, I think, a product, a, a little bit of their schedule. So, I mean, 
but I, you know, we need to see some of these other teams, especially Wisconsin, because historically speaking, they've been a pretty successful program. Um, you know, maybe not so much recently, you know, ease has been a lot more inconsistent. So, um, but historically speaking, they're definitely a team that, you know, the big 10 is going to need to be successful on the whole as a, as a conference. Well, right now we've got the Gophers, you know, in first place, uh, or tie for first place with Michigan with Penn state, only three points back guys, obviously Penn state's got two games in hand. So right now, you know, kind of Penn state, you know, if they keep playing well, they're kind of in their own driver's seat. I mean, if they, I mean, if they keep playing well, I mean, obviously they're going to face a Michigan team that's going to be down a couple guys due to some uh, uh, fighting <laughs> that we saw. So when they face Michigan uh, coming up soon, uh, it might be a little bit easier for them. But uh, really, it's just a three-team race right now, Hammy. Well, and you know, Penn State has not even played one away game in conference yet. Yeah. So I mean, that's certainly is going to help the conference record when you're, you've played your first six in conference at home. So mm-hmm. we'll see how they do on the road. They haven't been, uh, you know, particularly, uh, you know, strong, I think over the, over time on the road. So, we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes, but uh, I think that it's going to essentially, you know, Michigan, it's hard to pick against them given the, the offensive numbers that they're putting up. Um, uh, I think it's really going to come down to how do the Gophers play, um, when they visit Mariucci, you know, whenever that is, and I would imagine a few weeks or whatever it is. But, uh, you know, that's really what's going to be an important series for the Gophers if they want to win the league. Bottom line, Vigo, you know, against these teams at the lower part of the division, your Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, you need to get points because at the end of the year, a point here, two points there, uh, they add up. Yeah, it definitely adds up. You know, especially with the way the conference is kind of stratifying out this year. You know, Penn State took advantage when they played Michigan State and Wisconsin. You know, Minnesota needs to do the same thing. And so, you know, if they don't get a sweep here this weekend, I think it impacts being able to keep up with with Michigan, especially. I think Penn State they've got a tough road. You know, they they played all at home. They still have four games against Michigan. They still have to come to Mariucci. Um, they're going to Ohio State this weekend, a team that's playing much better than they did early in the season, a, a fast skating team. I think that's something you can say about Penn State that they're not. You know, they, they aren't a great skating team, but they generate a lot of shots um, and look for, you know, muck it up in front of the net. So, you know, they're going to be playing teams the next couple weekends here that can get up and down the ice. So Minnesota needs to, you know, win these two games and, and hold serve. Jupe has his uh, mute button on. Sorry, I did it again. Jeez. I know when you, I always know when you do that. Crap. Yeah, it's like it's like you can hear me, but you can't hear me. <laughs> I know that you're somehow speaking. I'm just not hearing it. <laughs> oh, I know. It's just it's, it's just the way it is. Um, Hammy, who's uh, Joey Maroney? Oh yeah, he, was, uh, he, was, uh, he, he, he uh, committed this week. Looks like a Green Bay gambler guy. What do we know about this? Yeah, kid? well, I mean, he's a he's a he's a local kid. I mean, it, it really, uh, you know, I, he's going to end up probably in one of those depth guys. I think okay. that they kind of need it. You know, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, he's having a solid year in the USHL, but I mean, he's already, um, you know, going to be creeping up on twenty years old. So, I mean, some of that's going to be age related and experience related and juniors. And uh, he, he he played at Holy Family back in high school, and you know, was a pretty successful player there, but not like anything that was superstar material and he's had a you know a pretty nondescript junior career although he's played mostly in the ushl so that's gonna be a a big you know go-to guy in college unless he's like a real late bloomer that they're expecting big things out of but i don't think that that's really going to be what we're going to get out of him so definitely a role player then huh well you know i think it's one of those things where maybe he's a guy that buys them a little time to give some of their you know, high-end guys, an extra year in a USHL. I mean, a guy like, you know, maybe like a Garrett Waite, you know, who hasn't really had the greatest year this year in the USHL. I mean, he's only a senior, and he probably, kind of like Ryan Norman, needs that extra year after high school to, um, you know, kind of grow and mature as a player, and you kind of would like to see him get that year. So I I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a way of doing something like that, Um, but it remains to be seen uh, you know how he's going to you know fit in. Yeah, right. it was interesting seeing the central scouting come out and Rossini and and Wade and Falstrom all kind of fell off the radar there, so they're having tough seasons. 
Well, I mean, I, you know, it was, we've Recruiting seen him too early. <laughs> no, I don't think, I think it's really one of those things where, you know, some of it's going to be for some of these guys, they're not really because of their size limitations or whatever. They're not just really NHL kind of material. And, and I think Lucia and them, you know, several years ago kind of made an active decision to, you know, not necessarily go after just all guys that are probably more of those high end, you know, NHL pro prospects, you know, that maybe we ought to find some of these guys that maybe are three, four year college guys that, you know, maybe can make more of an impact on the college level and not focused as heavily on, you know, some of those other things. And so I think that they're, that's probably a part of it for some of these guys. I think with a guy like uh, Falstrom, I mean, he, it's his first year in North America, period. Um, playing hockey and getting accustomed to that style and you know obviously the the cultural differences and all that kind of stuff I mean that's that's a challenge and so uh, I think it, you know he's a kid that we won't see for another year anyways so I just think that uh, yeah, some of that stuff you kind of have to take with a grain of salt Hammy gentlemen's yep. agreement you think it's going to go away uh, well, I've been saying for a long time, it needs to go away. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't blame, I mean, it's really only serves for the most part, these small school coaches that want to protect their turf when they get a kid that commits early. And, and if he happens to blow up and be, you know, something more special than what he's projected as, uh, you know, they, they want to ward off all the big named programs. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not really helping the big schools because they don't tend to lose recruits anyways. Mm-hmm. And frankly, it's not helping the recruits because if you're a kid that verbals, let's say as a senior in high school and you're going to be playing two years of junior hockey or whatever, and let's say your first year in junior hockey, you have a great year. Well, suddenly there could be schools like the university of Minnesota or Michigan or BC or whoever that would love to talk to you, but Hey, you already you already committed to Colorado College, and so you know if you want to go by the gentleman's agreement, those schools will never talk to that kid. So he'll never have a clue <laughs> that maybe he could get a eighty percent ride at Michigan or whatever. And it's like if he knew that, I mean, you know, it's it's not benefiting the recruits. It's only benefiting the coaches, and frankly, it's only benefiting a percentage of the coaches. And um, so to me, that that needs to go away. And and it's kind of like Nanny said on the radio yesterday that it's not Don Lucia's job to be kissing other coaches asses and worrying about taking players away from them. And if it's going to hurt their feelings, his job is to win and at the university of Minnesota, put the best team that he can on the ice. And if that means you're going to go and try to talk to a kid who's already verbally committed somewhere else, then so be it. But it's, that's his job is to win, not worry about, you know, stepping on a few toes. And, and I agree with that. That's how it is in football. That's how it is in basketball. And uh, we just need to make that change. And I think that's going to head that direction. Well, it's, it's, I'm guessing it is going to head that direction, but I'm also guessing that Lucia doesn't want to be the guy who breaks it first. He's well, already, he's already, like, he's already kind of seen as the evil guy out there and Minnesota, the you know, thousand pound gorilla. So maybe he's kind of hoping someone else does it first so he can do it. Well, there are other schools that have already done this. It just doesn't get really publicized mm-hmm. or it's done kind of through back channels. Like, you know, I know of one kid who, you know, the, the big rumor at the time was that he decommitted from one school and ended up at North Dakota. And, you know, they're the ones that are always saying, oh, well, we're not going to do that. Da, 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 da. But it's kind of like where there's smoke, there's fire. And it's like <laughs> you might not be able to prove it per se, but it's like, when that's the big rumor going on around hockey circles and it's not just Minnesota circles, but hockey circles in general, it's like, you know, it's kind of like, whatever. I, I think that a lot of schools do this more than they probably want to admit. And, you know, Nanny talked about it on the radio yesterday that he wanted Lucia to go after Ryan McDonough when, after he saw him at the state tournament, he's like, yep. you know, that kid's going to Wisconsin and, you know, we got to try to make our pitch and, Lucia was like, well, we have this gentleman's agreement and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, of course, McDonough had a great career at Wisconsin. And he, you know, it sounded like he wanted to go to the U at the time, but we just really couldn't do that. So, but I I just think that at the end of the day, you have to worry about your own program. And if that means, I mean, obviously, they did that whole age restriction, you know, suggestion. Mm-hmm. And so they're probably <laughs> going to go more and more towards, 
you know, we really don't give a damn if this bothers you or not. We're going to try and win for ourselves. And every program is up for themselves. You know, small school coaches, they're going to try to push things that are going to be beneficial to them, no different than big school coaches. So I don't, I, I think it's sort of standard for the standard operating procedure for all of them. Give it a couple of years and it's gone, Viggs? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Lucia's been talking about how this is ruining recruiting. It's ruining developmental hockey. You know, having these kids recruit so young is just bad for everybody. So if they can find a way to get out of the game and, and keep kids, you know, eligible to be recruited until they sign that NLI, you know, it's going to improve the game for everybody. Um, so a lot of these small schools might say that, you know, it doesn't seem fair for them. Well, it's not fair for the kids. Well, exactly. It's like I said earlier, you're kind of keeping kids in the dark. You know, if they verbally commit somewhere and, you know, they feel like, well, I only have a couple of these options and they're kind of like middle of the rung programs. And then you suddenly blow up a year later and, you know, you have opportunities to play at some great schools, whether it's Minnesota, North Dakota, Michigan, wherever. It's like you as a player, you would want to know about those things. But if you have this sort of gag order put over these other coaches because of this agreement it's like that's not benefiting you as a player that's just benefiting a certain percentage of the coaches and that nobody really you know likes that so i I, i'd like to see it go away um i think it it would help um you know kind of you know coaches aren't going to be in a race to be offering kids really really young because they're going to say well i can always still offer that kid you know, as a junior or whenever, as opposed to a sophomore or freshman even. I mean, it won't be quite the race that I think it is now. And I don't think this will impact Minnesota hockey very much. I don't think the Gophers are going to be impacted by this rule as much as maybe some of the other smaller schools. Um, but it's definitely better for the kids. The other argument is that, you know, kids want to know with major junior if they should go there or if there's going to be a scholarship there. And so that's that's part of this rub. I think it all started with Jack Johnson you know, going to the development camp and being seen by everybody in Michigan saying, hey, you know, we're interested in you. And Jack Johnson going, well, yeah, Major Junior is interested in me too. What should I do? And so that kind of started this trend too. I, I get that, but I also think that's kind of a load of crap. I mean, not from I, – I, I agree that that's what's sent out there as a message. But let's be honest. When you're a Jack Johnson or you're one of these high-end kids, you know, Phil Kessel, a Zach Parisi, whatever, you know, Vanek, whatever name, great names you want, those guys know that they're going to get high-end offers from colleges or whatever. It's To me, it's just sort of like a, a negotiation tactic, especially for these kids that probably all along know they're going to go in the Canadian juniors. It's just that they want to be able to kind of guide who's going to draft them and so on. It's like, well, we're not going to play for you. I'm going to go play college hockey if you draft me. I, I think a lot of it's a lot of smoke and mirrors to, to some extent. I, I think it's spewed because, um, you know, some of these people just like the, it's an ego thing and whatever. I don't necessarily know that it's – I know that they say it, but I don't think it's quite – is much about you know oh yeah i just want to know if i have an offer from michigan or, or minnesota or what it's like dude you're basically a top 20 player in the country of course you're going to have an opportunity at these kinds of schools so i think it is more of an issue for the you know michigan kids in the well, east right i you know with that i that with i kids agree jumping yeah i that that i do agree with you there i mean i'm not saying it's not universe i'm not saying minnesota Minnesota's a different animal because kids here, for the most part, they grow up with college hockey. I mean, you might find the, you know, a couple kids here or there each and every year that go to the WHL, but the vast majority of the high-end kids in Minnesota, they're playing, they're going to end up playing D1 hockey. So, I mean, I, I get it, it's a little bit different here, but I think, you know, looking at it from a gopher perspective, we've had several kids that are committed at 15 or 16, and to me, I don't know that any of those kids are, are really that you know, pushing that agenda of, well, I need to get an offer because I don't know if I'm going to play. I need to know where I'm going. Cause I don't know if I have to accept a WHL offer. It's like, that's kind of a load of crap. Now for Michigan or Eastern schools. Yeah. I think that competition's a little more stiff from the Canadian juniors, but I still think that some of that's just song and dance so they can, kids can kind of guide who's going to draft them and all that kind of stuff. And I think part of that too, is the type of kids Lucia has been going after. You know, he's wanted kids who want to play college hockey. You know, he hasn't gone after too many of these guys who are, you know, thinking they just want to go straight to the pros after he dealt with, you know, the Oposo Kessel 
era. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, like I said earlier, I think they made it a real um, kind of strategic adjustment several years ago to kind of go after some of these kids that are, you know, maybe don't have the ideal size and for Kyle or for, for pro hockey and, uh, you know, a clues or, you know, some of those kinds of guys that maybe are more suited for a college hockey game that you're going to have for three or four years. And, you know, not that they might not necessarily make it in the pros, but they're not those guys that are going to be drafted in the first or second round that are, you know, likely going to be ending up in, you know, in, in uh, the NHL or at least in pro hockey after like two years of college or whatever. All right, boys. Not that, not that they avoid those guys either, but <laughs> true. Maybe don't focus on them as quite as much. All right, at Wisconsin, how many points this weekend, Hammy? Sweep uh, six. You know, only because I just am, have. I need to see more to feel comfortable with the consistency part. I'm going to go with a split this weekend. Ooh, Figs. Six points. Ooh. Watch that uh, power play to see if anybody changes on the flanks. And uh, keep your eye on Justin Kloos. He is a very motivated captain right now. You can just see it with him. Both games, Friday and Saturday, really engaged, really on the puck. Well, we'll be back next week to recap this Wisconsin series and preview the North Star Cup against uh, Bemidji and whoever else is in the damn thing. Until then, thanks for listening. See how shows up on the first Tuesday in October. Oh, I know how it works. You can give us a territory quick first, and then we'll go from there. Oh, yeah, no, it was pretty good. I, I, I told Frank, I said, I don't think the Vikings are going to be sending you any free tickets soon. Oops, sorry. So that's Frank, though. Coach, how do you feel going? Uh, you guys won uh, three in a row now, and uh, nothing changes the. Uh, an atmosphere like winning? Well, it, it's always nice when you win and the players feel like they're getting a little bit rewarded. Uh, we've talked about the improvement this group has made throughout the course of the season. Uh, we don't have a large margin for it. We understand that. Uh, the guys know that, coaches. Uh, so when you when you can put together some wins, it, it just lightens the mood a little bit. Uh, it was a good weekend. Uh, going back a couple of weeks when we came back and after difficult loss in overtime to win on Saturday afternoon then to come back and, and sweep Michigan State somebody who we haven't been able to do that in the two years in the league we've never been able to beat them twice in a weekend and, and now it's on to on to Wisconsin so it's like anything when you win or lose on a weekend you know it ends on Sunday and then Monday you start to gear back up for the next week at least in terms of just offense is it just a young team starting to get flags under it well you know some pucks go in second night it's you know we hadn't scored after two periods and I'm thinking we're back to the same old but you know fortunately we found a way to get a couple goals on um, on Saturday in the third period and, and to be able to get the win. And I think that's probably been the most disappointment that, you know, on the road we've been pretty consistent and, and uh, you know, won half the games. And, but at home we were under 500 hitting the weekend, and that, that ultimately is what, you know, has hurt us some difficult home losses during this first half of the season. Before Penn State, you talked about too many guys with a one or a zero next to the, the goals in their name. You've got 15 in the last three. Was there some kind of switch you had to flip? Or? No, uh, you know, some goal, I mean, we're still going to be led just like every team by your, your key three or four guys. And, you know, Hudson's picked up his game. Obviously, Justin Kloos is, is starting to score again. And uh, it was great for Connor to get a goal. It, you know, it's probably been almost a calendar year since his last one with his injury last spring from uh, um, getting hurt at Wisconsin a year ago to he had the one open net goal. And he's a goal scorer. And he's a streaky goal scorer and he hoped that's going to get him going a little bit right now and um, we got we had good play from our our fourth blue line uh, last weekend they generated a lot of scoring chances um, scored a goal and th that line's coming we still got a couple guys that we, we got to get more involved offensively and you know our power play wasn't very good this the last couple weeks and 
penalty kill has been good. It's funny how specialty teams, uh, they've kind of gone back and forth. When the power play is good, the, the penalty kill struggled. And then when the penalty has been good, the, the power play has struggled. So we, we need to make sure we try to win that battle. It won't be easy for us to win games unless we're plus on the specialty teams in a given night. What's it going to take to get that power play back on track? Uh, you know, just... Uh, I think shooting more, getting shots on, on net, uh, not try to be so fancy. I mean, you still score a lot of power play goals by getting pucks to a goaltender and outnumbering for rebounds. Um, we're just going to look at our, our personnel and how we want to you know, put them in, in maybe some different spots. So it'll be ongoing. But you know, when a couple guys heat up, that, that'll obviously help our power play. You mentioned on your radio show last night that you might be uh, switching around a couple of people, especially in those flanks positions. Is that something you're looking at this week in practice? Yeah, I mean, we, we this will be our first day of practice because, uh, you know, with the way that you count your calendar, we end up with Martin Luther King. We took off as an official date you have to count. Um, so we'll probably get it a little bit more the next two days. And But even last week, we moved it around. And we, we moved it, and it looked horrible in practice. And we went back the next two days to what it was, and they looked great. But it just didn't happen in the game. Do you think, you know, we talk about WCHA, Big Ten, obviously, do you think rivalries are yet to come and it takes a lot of years before Michigan and Minnesota have a fervor? Or How do you think that plays out? Well, I think Michigan and Minnesota have had a fervor. Um, I just go back to, you know, when I played in the WCHA, Michigan and Michigan State were in the WCHA. You know, and then they dropped out. And, you know, and then it took a while, I'm sure, from when Duluth started their program or um, all of a sudden, Northern Mission comes into the WCHA, then they, then they move the other direction. Alaska comes into the WCHA, then Mankato, then Bemidji. So there's been a shuffling of the deck um, as far as the leagues have been concerned uh, for a number of years. But the difference is now you're, you're in a league with uh, programs that you're not going to have a lot of visiting fans coming to the building. Uh, and it takes time that, you know, when you play you know, opponents, I, I go back to, you know, you talk about Michigan State, I can go back and look. In 1976, when they had that epic series with Michigan State to go to the, I think the Frozen Four that year, um, I think Donnie Matson scored in overtime of Game Two of a total goal series, and they went on to win the title in, in '76, and, and that was, I believe, was at Munn. Uh, so you had the rivalry then, and now now they just have to be rekindled a little bit, and, and I think you'll see that over time. It that's doesn't it. happen overnight. Sorry, is this weekend still red letter date when the schedule? Yeah, I, I think that's obviously with with some one of the holdovers from the previous league is Wisconsin and you know like any rivalry they come and go to a little that the, the temperature amps up uh, depending upon the year um, you know last year I think we were 2-0-2 lost two two shootouts uh, against them um, they've they've had their ups and downs during the course of the year but there's no question their team is better than than last year I mean the, the shot differentials their specialty teams all that, any matrix you look at, they just they've tied a lot of games and lost a couple close ones. So uh, we know it'll be difficult going into Wisconsin. We just want to continue to play well and, and keep making step forward. There are there are behind them, you think? Yeah, I, I, it's like anything. I mean, you, you're going to go through different ups and downs, and you know, you, you start to build it back up, and that's what they're in the process of doing. We're about halfway through the Big Ten season so far, and it's, what you look at the standings, it seems like it's kind of separated into three teams that are going one way and three teams going the other way. How good does it feel, not to look ahead too far, but you've got Penn State and Michigan both coming into your building later in the year? Well, that's what we talked about. Like, Penn State's played all six at home. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan's played a majority of their games at home. But, I mean, just like you saw this past weekend with Ohio State, I mean, Ohio State's coming too. I mean, since Christmas time, uh, who they've beaten, they could have won both. They were ahead in both games against Michigan in the third period and, and just came away, with, I believe, with a shootout win. Um, so I think they're trending. Uh, Wisconsin's played the majority of their games now on the road, so they're going to come back to home games in the Big Ten the second half. Um, and so I think everybody still has that opportunity, and I think you, you will see it tighten up. But uh, we felt pretty good you know, at Penn State and at Michigan being 2-2 two and two a year ago. We were 1-3 and three in those two buildings. So now like we've done in the Big Ten up till now, it's winning at home. We've done a pretty good job with that. Uh, that has to continue here the second half of the season, and then you, you got to be able to blow out and win on the road, too. This you guys are over 500 for the first time this year. How much did you see a shift in confidence in the locker room this weekend? Uh, well, it didn't happen until the end of the weekend, and I haven't seen the guys till today when I get back on the ice. Um, yeah, it's just it's just moving forward. Uh, we just got to try to keep winning games, and uh, it's still fresh when you look back in a couple overtime games that we've lost, and where we could be, but you know that's irrelevant. You still got to continue to win moving forward. And you know we were in a similar situation last year, coming about the end of January, and you know we put together a pretty good run in February and, and, and finished the year in a pretty.
pretty good known. Uh, now we're kind of lurking in a very similar position, whether it's in the Big Ten or the national picture. So it's, it's, we just need to win games. It's the bottom line. The news out of Las Vegas that's not related to basketball is uh, UNLV is, is supposedly exploring a Division One program now. Do you see in more hockey? in hockey? Yeah. No, I, I didn't hear Las that. Vegas Review Journal had a big story this week about uh, them them exploring. I guess I've been reading a lot lately. <laughs> really? <laughs> a lot of good stuff out there. But anyway, do you see this kind of Western trend uh, uh, as a good thing for college hockey, and do you see it expanding? Well, you know what? Any any team that wants to add hockey uh, at the Division One level, I think, is a good thing for hockey in general. It's more opportunities for coaches, more opportunities for players, um, you know, maybe that would help be a catalyst. To, I know the NHL has talked about Vegas a lot, uh, but maybe Arizona State uh, will help get that trend going. Hopefully, uh, that'd be great if that were to happen down the line. A little more aggressive bed checks if there's a road series in Vegas. I've never been to Vegas, so. No. So bed check for you, too? <laughs> no, I just, that's probably not my cup of tea. I'm pretty boring. <laughs> What did you think about the end of that Ohio State-Michigan game? Uh, I just saw, uh, well, I will say, and Jess has been around a while, probably 20 years ago it would have been double minors for roughing. Oh, they, huh? yeah. I mean, it, it would have evened it up, definitely. It, uh, you know, when I, I didn't see it all, but I just saw a little trailer on YouTube when he reached over the ref and punched him, and I thought it was going to be worse, to be honest. I mean, it was a couple punches. I've, I've seen way worse. <laughs> He's going to skate a little bit today, but he won't be available. I think that uh, the first time he'll be available would be next week. Without him, you've had the no freshman four flying. Uh, what have you seen from them just in that growth? I thought they were really good last time. weekend. Uh, you know, we, we we made a little of adjustment during the game and moving Romeko back to center, Norman to wing, but the three played together. They generated a lot of scoring chances. Uh, they, I thought they just about every shift they played over the course of the weekend that they, they played well. And you know, when you go on, the, they did that against Penn State as well. And, and so that's a good thing, especially when you go on the road because you don't have any control of your matchups. And they, and they can get some pucks in, and they had good, good. Uh, Offensive riding zone time, which you want to see of, of that line, and now you know they're starting to pick up a goal on, on consecutive weekends. And the more they can chip in, it just eases the burden for everybody else. Everyone else expected to play this weekend. Um, everybody is ex- is eligible to play this weekend. I don't know if I'd say they are, they're expected to play. Um, you know, so we'll just watch practice, and we're limited to we can't take everybody this weekend, so we can take 23 players, three goalies, and 20 skaters. Done in the wake of the City Pages story, there have been some former players of yours that have come out pretty publicly and said some good things about the program. What kind of feedback have you gotten? Or well, I've got a, some, some nice emails from even from fans that, uh, you know, are so supportive, which is great to see. And, um, you know, we're in the process of just uh, doing some things with our alumni, with the board, and, you know, getting some, a group together uh, the Penn State weekend and moving forward because I mean, you have to have that. I mean, for any program, I mean, you know that you want the support from your fans, you want the support from your alums, and the ones that got want to get involved and, and be supportive, we want to get those people involved, and like I said a week ago, that, you know, it's exciting in some ways that uh, we've had a group that we're going to break around here soon on this downstairs area in April and, and completely redo uh, this downstairs area of uh, Mariucci, and then it'll be out in the weight room and a, and a couple other projects, and, and a lot of our contributive uh, alumni have really contributed both in their efforts and certainly in their dollars, which is greatly appreciated. All right. How much are you looking forward to going back to Wisconsin, or are you looking forward to going back there? Yeah, obviously it's a board of battle, and it's a team we like to play. Um, I think they're a little better this year, so you know it's going to be an intense game. And whenever you're playing one of your rivals, it's always going to be a great match. Does it still mean as much as it has in the past, or has it lost a little bit of its shine? Um, I don't. Th- I don't think it's lost much of its shine, so to speak. Um, last year, the games weren't as competitive as you would expect. But no matter what, you know they're going to give their best effort. We're going to give our best effort, just with all the history and tradition. Um, two teams that really um, don't exactly like each other, but they respect each other. So it brings the best out of you. Connor, you saw your, your brother play a little bit in WCHA, and obviously the Big Ten. There's been a lot of conversation about the difference in Wisconsin from mm-hmm. a natural rival. Do you feel that as a player at all, or is that just the fans that feel it? Um, I would say the fans more. I mean, they're it's 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 kind of interesting to kind of build up these rivalries with Penn State and Ohio State. I mean, they're new and they're fresh. I think Michigan's 
in a few years is going to be a rivalry just as intense as North Dakota Wisconsin, just because they're a great team every year. Um, there's been a lot of talk about that, and the fans have been talking about it. But in the inner locker room, um, our players, all, all we do is we come to the rink, work hard, and try to push each other to get better. We can't really worry about who we're playing with. The reality is, the Big Ten, it is what it is. And I've actually really enjoyed it and going to see different campuses and um, different teams like this. So I think it's only helping grow college hockey. You guys are, a few games ago, your coach was talking about too many guys stuck at one or zero goals on the, mm-hmm. on the score sheet. He scored 15 in the last three games. Where's all the offense coming from? Um, I just think it's uh, the whole process right now. I think we're working hard, we're getting better in practice, we're competing hard, and really um, executing a lot better than we have. A lot of times we'll look good in practice, we'll score pretty goals in practice, but now all of a sudden we're starting to see it in games and it all comes down to puck support and working together. Did you guys just need some time to come together? And we talked so much earlier this year about young mm-hmm. team, young team. Is this just a product of it starting to mesh a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have guys in new roles, you have multiple freshmen playing every night, so it's... It's been a certain growing process. I mean, we've come a very long ways just from just from October, and and we're still getting better and improving. And um, past years I've been here, we've had we've had veteran guys that have played over 100 games leading the way. All of a sudden, we got a, a much younger group, but it doesn't change the expectations that we're um, expected to win. What do you think it's going to take to get the power play back on track? I just I just think we got to start delivering more pucks and shooting pucks. I think we've gotten away from. Um, just trying to wait for the perfect pass. Um, I know me, Kluis, and Brzezinski if, and on the other units with Bischoff and the guys on the flanks, so you just got to shoot the puck more and create opportunities. We're not getting enough rebounds. If we can get a puck through in that fashion and go to work down there, I think they'll they'll certainly help it. Any extra significance on this series for you? I know that's where you got hurt last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously it, it crossed my mind a little bit, but I'm past that. I mean, I rehabbed. I got back to where I needed to be. It's still, it's still a big matchup and a huge weekend. We're coming into it. I think we're turning in the right direction. So I'm not, I'm not really taking this weekend too personal. Um, at the end of the day, the best we can, best thing that I can do and hope we do is get two wins. Did you kind of flip a switch that night when you, or day when you got seven uh, goals against Penn State? Did that? I mean, everything came together out of nowhere, kind of. It looks like you guys haven't really missed a beat set. Yeah, we we thought we played better Friday. We just didn't execute when we needed to. So Saturday we came out, we rebounded hard after after a tough loss Friday and really fought some adversity and came through together when it mattered most. And um, it's just been a product of our our hard work and competitive nature lately. You said you you don't think the rivalry's lost as much of his much, much less over the last couple of years, but does it feel the same in the locker room heading into this matchup as it did maybe you know two years ago your freshman year, things like that? Um well, two years, two years ago specifically, uh, Wisconsin was like a top five team. So you kind of had that idea. Like they had some big time players over there. Um, but overall, and I, I know we're excited. Our freshmen get get their first taste of a big time rival like this. And we're just making sure that we prepare this week for it because you know it's going to be intense and the fans are going to be screaming and yelling at you. Um, so it's definitely going to be a week we look forward to. What is different than uh, going to a place like Wisconsin compared to maybe some like the in-state Minnesota schools? Um, you, you, you just feel the dislike from the fans, and you just tell there's a little more energy in, in the atmosphere. Um, there's nothing really specific. It's just an overall feel. I think so. You mentioned two years ago Wisconsin's a top-five team. Maybe the same was for you guys. What's different where Minnesota and Wisconsin are in that conversation right now? Um, well, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I, I, I think we are. Right now where we're at, we're, we're 16, 17 in pairwise, and the way we started out, we, we were just so um, so inexperienced, and we, weren't, we haven't, hadn't come together yet. But we've we put in so much time and effort, and I think we're heading in the right direction at the right time because reality is no one's going to remember how you started. Remember how, they're going to remember how you finished. I mean, a year ago, we started 7-1. Everyone's telling us how good we are. Then we go on a uh, run. We're 4-8-3 after that. And then we're fighting to get in the tourney. We end up making the tourney, but we had a first-round exit. So um, the biggest thing is how you finish. And I think um, I think we need to we need to keep getting better. Here. Thank you, Leo. What do you know about Wisconsin? What do you expect from them? Um, I expect them to play a hard game, um, play fast, and see that rivalry game. Uh, a lot of a lot of tradition between the two schools. Uh, we haven't looked into how they play yet or their system and stuff. We're going to do that later this week. You guys feel like you're getting your feet under you a little more than maybe you did earlier this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a process. We are 
as everyone else, we're developing ourselves. Uh, we're a younger team, so maybe not as experienced as some other teams. And it takes time. Uh, every every year is a you know new journey for people to to make. And um, sometimes that journey starts right away. Sometimes you have to work a little bit to get on the train. Michigan State and Ohio State, both home series where you trail late in the game and you manage to pull things out. Is there uh, is that part of your confidence when you play in this building? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's just a part of confidence of our team. Uh, you know, a hardworking team. Uh, a group of guys that loves to win. Maybe we haven't won a lot yet uh, so far, but, you know, we, we play for each other, you play for the fans, and, you know, you play to win, and you never give up, and that's what we're trying to do, and play a full six minutes of hockey every day. Is this weekend still a big uh, weekend series for you guys, Minnesota, Wisconsin? It's big. Uh, I would say every weekend is big for us right now. We just got about 500, and every point for us is very important to keep climbing, to you know, keep keep going as a as a team. Um, maybe probably not bigger than any other weekends, but we take one game at a time, one weekend at a time, and we're gonna make sure we do our best. Has the Tesla rivalry lost a little bit of its luster with Wisconsin being a little bit more down these last couple of years? To be honest, I can't really tell. I've only been here for a year. I played them four times. Uh, the game so far has been really good. Uh, we, I think we've tied them. So there's a rivalry, and there's a sense of revenge for from especially our side. Um, and that that's how I feel about it right now. You guys were attacked from the outside last week. You respond with the sweep. How much can that kind of be a rallying point for you guys moving forward? I don't think our guys or our staff really care that much. I haven't read it myself. Uh, we. we as a team, you don't you don't care about that stuff. Of course, it's gonna be people people like criticizing you, but that's a part of it. And we we're just trying to get better as a team here. How important is it then to continue that momentum though that you built on last week with a couple sweeps? Uh, it is important. We haven't uh, won a lot of games in a row here. We've been winning one, losing one, winning two, losing two. So it's very important for us, you know, get there and get the confidence, get the streaks in, and just continue doing what we're doing. 15 goals in the last three games. Where's all the offense coming from all of a sudden? I don't know. We didn't have a lot of offense in the beginning of the year, so maybe that we call it the catch-up effect back in Sweden. You try to get a catch-up out of the ball, and it doesn't come, and then all age explodes. Everything comes right away. Maybe that's a little bit what's happening right now. Some thoughts on Tommy Novak, and uh, what's uh, how's his game developed this year, his freshman year? <clears throat> Tommy's doing better, uh, better, better every game. I think he came in right away. It was a big, big guy, big player for us. Um, I think he's getting stronger on the pucks, uh, you know, adapting his style of playing to college level a little bit more. And he's a young guy, he's two years younger than me, and uh, I think he's doing a really well, good job, and he, I, I, you can't look at him as a freshman anymore. Uh, only a game over 500, but first place in the Big Ten. Uh, what's the, the standings mean? What does first place in the Big Ten mean for you right now? That means that we're at where we want to be. We want to be at... You know, number one in Big Ten, that's one of our goals this season. Um, and now we have the destinies, destiny in our own hands. It's all up to us. I'm going to personally try to get ketchup effect to catch on. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure to credit you. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>